So ladies and gentlemen, this show lasted a little longer than we expected, so we decided to split it into two segments. So this is the first half of the show, and it is going to be all about the MVP of AEW. We'll be posting part two next Tuesday at 7 a.m., so make sure to check out that episode as well. We hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestle Life Radio. My name is Matt Sin. I'm here with my cousin Kyle Pauly. What's up? And I'm here with my buddy, Wilshire Bolin. <laughs> Whatever you want to call him. Mr. Matt Bolin. I'm not calling him Matt. That's my name. I am Wrestle Life Matt. What's up, Matt? I think you need to reach out to our mutual friend, Dusty, and tell him to listen to this just so he can laugh at <laughs> you. Call me Wilshire. Yeah, he'll pop for sure. <laughs> I might do that. I'll be like, hey, Dusty, listen, bro. Listen, listen. I need you to listen to the first 45 seconds of this show. I know you don't like wrestling. It's okay. It's okay. Just listen. Just listen to the show. And he'll get a he'll get a big kick out, out of it. So I bet he'll yeah. say a sure thing, Matt, and never listen to it. That's definitely possible the way he would do. Yeah. Dusty, if you're it, listening, comment below. Because I know that you'll tell me you will. <laughs> For anyone wondering, Wilshire is his Halo name. We all used to play Halo together. There you go. Uh, we're here to tell you all about the MVP of 2019 for AEW and WWE. And AEW might be a little more difficult because they don't have a full year, but we're just going to talk about the year in review. I know, I know, all in, yes, blah, blah, blah. We're not counting that. We're only going to count AEW in 2019. And really, what? That's been six, eight months now when you include Fight for the Fallen and Fighter Fest and stuff. That was in June, right? Whatever nothing was in May. Yeah, so I guess technically that was that was it, but that was really their first official AEW show. So we're gonna do we're gonna do some AEW, but before we do that, we're gonna talk about. Uh, actually, no, let's do AEW first. I'm gonna do AEW first. I'm not editing that. I'm good. We're good. I'm just <laughs> looking at my notes here. So I'm gonna give four names for each show, and we're gonna do AEW first. And uh, I'm gonna let you guys tell me why you think they should be MVP and what you think of their year. And then after I give you who I think is probably the, the four best candidates, I'll let you guys tell me if there's anyone I missed or if there's anyone you want to add or talk about. And then we will um, we'll move on to WWE. So Matt, first, I'm going to let you talk first since you're the guest. And I said I wasn't going to call you Matt, and I was wrong because it's such a great name. We're just going to go with it. Chris Jericho. Why is he the MVP of AEW for 2019? And uh, yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit about him. What do you think of him? I mean, you know, really the buzzer on AEW starts with Chris Jericho, doesn't that that event at the beginning of the year in Jacksonville that I think you said you attended, and um, just kind of the the buzz that you you had kind of a gut feeling that possibly he might get involved because he'd become good friends with the Bucks specifically. You know, he had him on their cruise on his cruise and, and whatnot, just everything he's done. I mean, the hype machine for AEW outside of like the hardcore wrestling fan kind of resol- revolved around Chris Jericho, just stuff he said in interviews, stuff he's done on social media, you know, his own, his own podcast. I mean, um, if Jericho is good at one thing and he's good at plenty it's basically promoting himself promoting everything he's doing and promoting things that he likes i mean and and he's very quick to say hey if you have a a different view well you know he likes all kinds of things so 
you don't have to listen or watch everything he says or does basically. Right. But when you get, when you go in through the year, I mean, you know, just all the stuff he did on being the elite and then, and then promos like on YouTube and stuff where he's like begging for the thank you and just building the hype up for that first match against Omega for the, for the title. And, and then you look at, you know, him, him winning the title and, and then him, taking an unfortunate situation where he gets drunk and loses the title and that that turns into an angle it was so good too yeah and and you look at you know jericho i think himself is amazed by like and he says this in interviews and on this podcast one over the years it's just the things of his that get over without him really trying to get it over like like the list was meant to be like a one-off thing right but it it was just funny enough and people popped and laughed at it. Um, you know, a little bit of the bubbly was, you know, just like a throw off line. Cause he just noticed some bottles of champagne there and it became a meme. Like what, within an hour of him doing that. Right. So, and it was, and it's one of the better selling shirts. I think uh, pro wrestling tees has ever had. Yep. Um, and it's also, I think it's also even turned into its own, champagne or wine brand on top they've of sold, it they've sold a lot of those a ton of it yeah so um isn't that um steven amell's company is doing that for him it is it is and as someone who doesn't drink i own a little bit of the bubbly t-shirt <laughs> i drink sparkling water occasionally and i finally <laughs> had a can of bubbly earlier this year and when i uh and when I opened up my first one, I took a photo of it to a couple of my wrestling friends in a text thread and said, I'm having a little bit of the bubbly. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, then you look at just AEW this year. I mean, Chris Jericho has basically tried to be a one man, get everybody over machine. You know, right. what he's doing with the inner circle guys, what he's doing by having matches with guys like Darby Allen, you know, Jungle Boy last week was a great example of that. I mean, he's just a tour de force because Jericho's smart enough at this point in his career that he doesn't have to get his stuff in or get himself over or win every single match. He, he realizes he's over by just virtue of being Chris Jericho. It's kind of like that right. old web series he did, you know, because I'm Chris Jericho or whatever it was called. Yeah, I can see that. It makes sense. And he's such a talented guy. It's just amazing that he can get basically these nothing things over where not really, I don't think anyone else could. I mean, maybe a very small amount of people, but he's he's just so talented. And we kind of said this before the uh, before we started recording, but... You know, I think in the last year, he's probably really elevated himself up in, in my GOAT standings. Yeah. And it really has very little with what he's done in AEW. It's just that he keeps reinventing himself. He keeps having these great matches. I mean, all the stuff he's done in New Japan has been fantastic. So good. So it's just amazing and watching this guy who looks like he's probably in the worst shape of his life in some ways still go out there and rock it for a half hour or more yeah it's nuts it's absolutely insane what do you think Kyle? yeah i mean i completely agree with matt um bolin wilshire uh Uh, (laughs) but i mean i think it'd be hard to to say anybody's a better MVP for AEW. I mean, there's definitely valuable players for AEW, but he's got to be the most valuable for every reason that Matt uh, Boland said, 
and and honestly, uh, he talked about you know every, he him coming in and trying to help out the young guys, but it's not just trying to get them over on TV, but he's also t- taking a little bit of a leadership role. And uh, the fact that I mean, we heard about you know him him going off on some of the guys, you know, like Lucha Brothers for you know not following the rules and you know wanting to legitimize uh, their sport a little bit more and you know, making sure that, you know, this kind of stuff matters, all the little details. And I mean, that's just where his experience comes in, but he's there, you know, to be that knowledge for these guys who probably haven't been on, you know, this national platform, at least in America. So, I mean, he's important in that role, but I mean, all the, all the reasons that Matt said and, and, you know, what I just said, but honestly, maybe one of the biggest things is just what he does for the television show. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what they're being judged on at this point. You know, their television ratings and how they're competing. I mean, WWE's put up NXT to compete with them just so they can't get those numbers. I mean, so in that sense, it's something they never did for TNA, really. So, yeah, it's, I mean, in that sense, it makes them a competitor. Maybe not, you know, directly. And it's it's not, you know, Monday Night Nitro by any means yet. But, you know, they, they take them seriously. And I think a part of that is because of Chris Jericho and – in the in the Wednesday Night War, he's been a huge factor because even when, uh, like this past week, AEW lost in every category to NXT except the Chris Jericho segment. So yep. he's come on TV and put on a show every week. He's, I mean, he's the segment to watch on every show. I mean, he's getting he's getting people over. He's you know got the knowledge from you know his experience and all the years he's put in, and he's you know it's reflecting the numbers as well. So, I mean, I don't think anybody else can say that they're the MVP, um, but Le Champion, Chris Jericho. Okay, cool. So we're going to move on to someone else that I think deserves a little bit of discussion, and that's Cody Rhodes. And I think Cody has really come along in his promo work. I think that he has delivered... I, th- I think when when AEW was announced... Everyone was excited about the Young Bucks spot fest matches. They were excited about Kenny Omega, the best bout machine and possibly the greatest wrestler in the world. But I don't think anyone was excited, and I could be wrong, but I don't think anyone was excited about watching Cody Rhodes wrestle. I mean, everyone saw Cody in WWE for the better part of a decade. We all know that he's a really solid wrestler, but I don't think anyone expected to get exactly what they've gotten from him so far. He has put on some of the best promos in all of AEW and definitely the best promos of his career, especially that silver spoon promo from earlier this year. And his matches have been terrific from Darby Allen to the one with his brother, Dustin, that tag team match at fight for the fallen with the Rhodes brothers against uh, Matt and Nick Jackson, just terrific, terrific, terrific stuff. So we're going to bounce back and forth and Kyle, I'm going to let you start with Cody Rhodes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I've already said, I think Chris Jericho is the MVP, but honestly, there's not an AEW without Cody. It's obviously there's a lot of things that happened that brought AEW together with Tony Khan, Young Bucks, Kenny Omega. But I mean, this all kind of started when Cody decided to leave WWE. He he made his list. He started hitting the indies. You know, he befriended uh, the Young Bucks, you know, started working and, you know, befriended Kenny Omega you know, when he went and worked in Japan. So it kind of all started from that, from him leaving, deciding to leave WWE. But I mean, since then he's, he, you know, he's kind of spearheaded this company. He's, 
you know, I, I feel like he's probably done a majority of the work to kind of get this thing off the ground just because he's been so passionate about it. And then it's, it's reflected uh, to his work on television as well. Cause like you said, he's put on great matches. He's done some of the best promos of his life. And I was kind of hoping we would see the side of Cody because even when he was in WWE, like his last, his last few days there, um, not literal days, but his last few, you know, runs there, even when he was stardust, like I would see moments where I was like, man, this guy could actually be something like he would just always seem to get something over. Uh, and he was always just kind of stuck in the same place. And I think that's probably what frustrated him and what caused him to get out of there. But once he got out and, you know, started this company, he's really been able to shine. Uh, I mean, even I went to an RH show that they had here in Nashville and he was a heel on the show and he was over. I mean, he was so over and I saw like a little spark of it then, but he's been able to take that and, you know, become this character in AEW. The fans love him. I mean, the only thing I would say negative about his, run or so in AEW and what he's done is the whole stipulation of not being able to challenge for the title because I really think he, you know, could have been their biggest babyface star and maybe not forever, but at least for the short term to try to get some of these young guys over to put on some matches with Jericho and, you know, just do a little bit more. And he, I feel like just saying that, you know, he can't challenge for the title. I mean, he could always backtrack, but they say that they don't really want to backtrack on stipulations. So it sounds like he's definite does not want the title, but I don't know if that's the best thing. I think he could definitely be a face champion and get over huge. So uh, that would be the only negative. But I mean, like I said, there wouldn't be an AW without him for sure. I really think it'll happen. I think, I mean, it's wrestling, right? People retire, come out of retirement. People get injured. Sure. They come back. You know, there will be a point where Cody Rhodes is AEW champion. 100%. There is no doubt in my mind. I think it'll be a little while. I do think he's going to stick to his guns and something will happen and he'll have to challenge for the title and he'll win it. I do. I think he was just very cognizant of, I mean, and and I'd be the first one to say that I would have these concerns and these critiques. Like coming into it, I had a lot of um, reservations about AEW. Um, I'm not the biggest Young Bucks fan. Um, I've never was huge on Cody as an in-ring performer. Even a lot of the indie stuff he's done that I've been able to see has not really like jumped off the screen at me. Um, and and I, you know, even have I'm not the hugest Kenny Omega fan. Like. I'm just very specific in what I look for in, in pro wrestling. And, and I definitely am not, I've never been the guy that's been a fan of moves for the sake of moves. And, and a lot of the times is that's what I feel like I get there were with, with Kenny, but, but focusing back on Cody, I think the stipulation keeping himself away, away from the title is very, very smart because it kind of, eliminates that concern that hey this is just going to be a vanity promotion for cody and the bucks and even kenny to basically just keep hot potatoing you know championships back and forth as opposed to just creating an alternative the 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 other concern i have and i think uh, the other two concerns I've had with AEW, and I think those are two more or bigger concerns for me right now, would be um, just how much this 
promotion seems to kind of refer back to WCW in both big and subtle ways. I mean, do you really need to have a January episode titled Bash at the Beach other than just to create internet buzz? And even if you look at like some of that initial promotions for AEW, you got kind of the big flame TNT background. I know a lot of that's really more TNT, right? but it just emotes. Hey, remember Nitro? Uh, and, and I know that that's part of what they were going for is trying to bring some of those fans that watch 15, 20 years ago back into the fray. It's, it's just weird. But then you look at like, you know, Cody's probably given a couple of the best promos of his life this year, which I think, you know, both Matt and Kyle have already said um, the match he had with his brother is possibly the match of the year for 2019. Um, which going into it, you knew it was going to be interesting, but what you got was just so much, so special. And, and you could tell just post-match and in the interviews that has been given afterwards, how much that match meant to Dustin. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious what Cody does going forward. Cause I think this could be, you know, if we're looking at MVP in you know, 2020 or 2021, I, I think right now is probably his highest ceiling for reaching that. Cause I think he's even subtly indicated that he wants to maybe take more of a behind the scenes role and basically maybe only pop up for special occasions because of his responsibilities as kind of being the guy outside of like Tony Khan for AEW is you can tell it's probably a little vexing on him and he's still trying to figure it out. And I think he's I think he's very concerned about keeping the spotlight too much on himself, which which would be smart because I mean when his father was Booker, yeah, exactly. there's a reason Dusty Rhodes faced Ric Flair and won a lot of titles off that. A lot of times it's because Dusty had the book at the time. So yeah, I think he's trying to be a little bit anti-Dusty in the fact that Dusty always knew he could get something over, so he would put the belt on himself to build a program. He knew he could draw. So right. he, he relied on himself a lot. And I think Cody's kind of gone in and he knows that knowledge now and he, but he might've gone a little too far. I mean, I understand not wanting to hold the title constantly, but uh, it doesn't mean you can't ever hold it, you know? So, I, I mean, I agree. I think obviously he's, you know, huge, been huge for AEW this year, but and we'll, 2020 still, you know, something to look forward to for him. Uh, I mean, whether he, whether he takes a backseat or if he, you know, becomes more prominent on the show, we know he's got a big program with MJF that he can be doing at the beginning of the year. And I mean, it's always possible he could do something with, you know, a Kenny Omega or a Moxley or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. And they will eventually add a secondary singles title of some type. And I would not be surprised if Cody's the first one to win that. Yeah, sure. The next one I think is really interesting, and, and Wilshire, we're going to let you start. I'm just going to call you different things throughout the episode. <laughs> I have the Young Bucks here, but I think to me that's kind of an extension of the tag team division as a whole. I'll tell you that if I were to list my top 25 matches of all time, I don't think there would be a standard tag team match in the bunch. Of course, you know, you'd have like the triple threat TLC with the Hardys, Edge and Christian, and the Dudleys would probably be in there. I don't think it'll be just a standard tag team match in their period. And uh, as it stands right now, the Young Bucks versus the uh, the Lucha Brothers at 
what was it? Was it double or nothing? The the big where they had the big table spot with the clown on top of the ladder and they and Phoenix and Nick jumped yeah, off at the so. same time. Like that's definitely in my top twenty five and possibly in my top ten. Uh, and I used to don't like this kind of matches. So I think the Young Bucks just if not for their own in ring ability, which I think needs to be you know considered, just for the fact that they have built this tag team division and spearheaded it and made tag team wrestling imported again, I think they really need to be considered. What do you think? You wouldn't have something like DIY versus Revival on that list, which is maybe the match of the year that year. I am not going to lie to you. I haven't watched a lot of NXT. Fair enough. So I didn't see that well, match. I, well, I have a. I can definitely uh, off air recommend some quality tag wrestling for you. Yeah, sounds I'm good a to tag me. Tag wrestling connoisseur. Go for you, it. You'll get a lot of Japan thrown at you too. Okay. So. Like I said in, in the Cody discussion, I'm not a big Young Bucks fan. I mean, there are moments where they're very, very good, where they're a little bit more muted and they're not doing just the the over-the-top flashy spot stuff. They can be very, very good. I mean, I've seen them work some pretty solid, more understated matches in like New Japan when they were working pretty heavily there. But then you look at like probably one of the more standout matches in the early AEW era would be that match that opened was at the second or third episode of AEW TV against Private Party. Yeah. And it was basically just putting those two guys over, which which was very, very smart. And now you're getting to the point with AEW where there's starting to be some of these think pieces, you know, claiming that, hey, because Omega and, you know, the Bucks and Cody are going so far out of their way to not book themselves over it's almost hurting AEW and hurting themselves and i think that's just wrestling fans being wrestling fans at this point right yeah i mean i the tag division is definitely gonna be one of the standout things the AEW, and i think i think they said that from the get-go i think tony khan and some of those early scrums even said that where hey we want to make tag wrestling a huge part of what we do because you know Dota B has historically not done that very, very well. Um, Vince McMahon is very well documented, um, you know, just from other wrestlers and whatnot. As far as saying, he's never been a huge tag wrestling guy. Um, even like Eric Bischoff on his own podcast has said he wasn't a huge tag wrestling guy. So to see a major wrestling promotion go out of its way to say, hey, tag wrestling is a big part of what we do, you know, that's kind of unheard of in the last 20 30 years that's you know in north america like 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 i said when i was talking about you know tag wrestling and, and recommending matches there's a lot of great matches in that 90s all japan era that are you know some of the best wrestling you'll ever see in your life um you know but you think of like great tag matches you know on the North America side, I'm sure you can think of like a lot of good ROH tags and NXT's had a few good ones here recently, especially with the revival. Um, an underseen one is, um, I think it was from an episode of superstars or something, but it was, it was razor and one, two, three kid versus Sean and diesel from like 94, which is oh, wow. a phenomenal tag match. It's, it's on YouTube somewhere. Yeah. I think, if, if that's where Matt and Nick are going to have their value, it's there. And, and AEW is also going to force them to work more single stuff. And, you know, having these kind of one-on-ones against some of their tag foes, you know, they've had some good matches that way too. I mean, 
you know, I think it was Nick last week or the week before, you know, had a gutsy performance where, you know, he had the flu and probably shouldn't have been out there wrestling. Right. So. Right, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely important for uh, AEW. Uh, if, if they're going different, to differentiate themselves from WWE, focusing on tag teams is definitely a big way they can do that. Because obviously, like uh, Matt said, the, the tag team division in WWE is you know, been lackluster. I mean, they've had great teams and uh, a lot of the great tag matches. There's been several in NXT, but I mean, WWE just doesn't know how to utilize tag teams as well. Uh, they've done better, uh, you know, with some select teams, but as a whole, the division really gets, you know, takes the back seat, you know, almost all the time. But I mean, AEW's put a, you know, a real focus on uh, tag teams and their tag team division. And uh, even so having, you know, big time tag team matches on the show, like some involving, I mean, even having tag team stars participate in the main event, like Scorpio sky going up against Jericho. Right. Uh, that was, you know, coming from a tag team. So the tag team division has definitely, you know, been very valuable for AEW and it will be going forward. Um, specifically about the young bucks. Uh, like Matt said, they, they're doing, you know, well to try and put young talents over uh, and, you know, put their value in on that sense. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think they're more valuable as the leaders, similar to how Cody, I mean, I don't agree that, um, you know, or I don't think that they have to necessarily be the entire show, obviously. Uh, I mean, there's gotta be room for other people to grow, but they are, I mean, I said this when we talked about AEW and being successful, they are the stars that, you know, started AEW, and that's kind of what people brought them over so i think it would benefit them more to be the more prominent tag team on the show uh and you know build up younger guys slowly around them instead of just losing them because you know that sense people might be tuning in because they heard about the young bucks and they might not have heard about private party and you know if they just get beat and then private party gets beat the next week who gets over so i think in that sense uh they should probably focus on getting themselves up a little, more, a little bit more and building the tag team division around them. But yeah, they're, they're super important in the tag team division itself. I think they're doing a good job with it for the most part. Uh, I think, you know, AEW as a whole is going to be smarter and like using some of you know, that more old school mentality or even some of that Japan philosophy, where if you have two main event guy type guys that are not, maybe in a main program on the singles level right away, you can probably easily have them get involved in the, in the tag scene. Um, you know, you're seeing that a little bit, you know, Omega's been tagging with a couple guys, you know, they're kind of forwarding this potential heel turn for hangman page, you know, th through Kenny Omega right now, but you kind of go to an even you know level playing field where you say, okay, here's these two top stars going up against an experienced tag team. You know, Pro Wrestling 101 says, oh, well, the you're going to put the two big stars over, which is kind of really the way WWE logic has kind of set that standard for the last right. 20, 30 years. But when you have a good tag team, you know, they should be more cohesive and they should have, you know, the equalizer against – against a better team and, and it's very rare that you have kind of the best of both worlds which is what you have with the young bucks where you have two guys that are very over on their own rights and own merits just from you know 10 to 15 years of just straight grinding 
and are over as just as a tag team. So you know, them beating up you know a Chris Jericho in a tag or a Pac or somebody like that or John Moxley is is going to be believable because they're you know they're two you know in the kayfabe sense phenomenal wrestlers on in their own right so right yeah i think one thing AEW is doing well is with the tag team division is historically anyone that even attempted to go up to wwe successful or not has always needed to do something to make themselves different and wcw had the cruiserweights tna had the six-sided ring and uh aew has an actual tag division so i think that's something they need to do uh kyle I'm going to yes. give you my fourth and final one, and then I'll ask you guys if you have any one. And I'm going to go with John Moxley. And I know in the WWE, Dean Ambrose didn't have the best year in 2019. But when John Moxley came to uh, AEW, he was by far the hottest thing in all of wrestling. Um, and I think until Bray Wyatt really broke through, he remained that way. And I think there's an argument to say that he still technically is... Um, especially with Bray Wyatt cooling down after that terrible Hell in a Cell match that I'm still hurting over. <laughs> so, uh, possible MVP? You think we? What do you think? You think John Moxley has a shot? And what do you think of his year so far? I mean, he's got an argument for it. Um, I guess the only uh, thing holding him back is that he's hasn't been the champion. Uh, but I mean, he's been competing at a championship level for sure, and he'll obviously probably be the one to take down Jericho for it, uh, at least the first one. So, uh, I mean, he's definitely a big player. They needed uh, – Chris Jericho is great, and I think he's, you know, done probably the most for the company so far, at least from the beginning. But obviously Jericho's not going to be around forever. And, I mean, Moxley's pretty still pretty young in his career for the most part. So he'll definitely be the star, you know, one, definitely one of the top stars of the future. Whereas Jericho might be the MVP this year. Moxley could definitely – um, be one going forward um, and has been a big player this year for sure. And it's, it's, it's bringing along his, you know, his name from WWE or not the, you know, Dean Ambrose name, but his uh, persona and, you know, that attitude that he wanted to have and, you know, was, wasn't really given the chance, but more than that, just his ability to kind of get away from that. And then just really not necessarily reinvent himself, but I guess you could say it because he really didn't, didn't really get to show much in WWE. So this is, he's got a new lease on life. He's, you know, working the way he wants to work. And I mean, it's showing well on the AEW product. So, I mean, he's, you know, one of the top guys in the company for sure. He's been putting on really good matches with people trying to get people over, obviously not to the levels of like Jericho, but he's, he's done well for people like Darby Allen and stuff to put on really, you know, entertaining matches and he's just becoming a star, and um, that's that's what AEW needs growing up. So in that sense, I mean, he could definitely have an argument for MVP. Okay, cool. What you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think a lot of people are starting to question his entering work as a singles guy, really towards the end of that WWE run, because he did seem a little checked out, and just, I mean, a lot of those matches he had were rough to look at him and the stuff with him and Rollins, you know, the end of last year was not great. Now you you could peg a lot of that on Rollins, maybe not being the best singles worker himself, but it seemed like the only time you were raving about stuff he's done, you know, especially before the injury was 
basically, you know, the stuff where he was tagging with Seth or the or the Shield reunion match stuff. So even that was it, Elimination Chamber, where they had their last big pay per view match. I believe so. This year. So and and I mean that was a fun little hey shut up and play the hits throwback match. Right. Then you look at just the amount of buzz and just the absurd reaction when he comes out through the stands at double or nothing, uh, and and just how he quickly had that podcast with Jericho and just kind of laid it all out there and and kind of did the CM Punk thing without doing the CM Punk thing because in one case with Punk you see a guy that had just become disgusted with pro wrestling and in the other case you just see a guy who wants to fall in love with pro wrestling again and you know, point. then you go into the G1 stuff and it's like hey can this guy work a japanese style and it'd be convincing and his entire g1 run is one of the more one of the stronger g1 runs if you kind of just read out there i didn't get to see a lot of it but he he offers a unique diversity that he's always going to be more of a brawler but if he needs to go in there and just have a regular match he can definitely do that too. And he has a certain cult of personality kind of ignored the CM Punk pun there. (laughs) Um, But there's definitely, you know, some enigmatic qualities there. I think that's why it's interesting that like even he and Pac have kind of butted heads in AEW because you kind of have, some similarities there and kind of what they bring from an intensity uh, as, as wrestlers right now. Right. So, um, and honestly, if he takes the belt for, from Jericho, I don't know if it'll be at the next pay-per-view. I could see them going for the headline and trying to do it that Wednesday before WrestleMania on dynamite. Right. That's not a bad point. So, um, he, he he's probably the person I've seen the least of post his WWE stuff, and that's just because this year I've kind of hopscotched around wrestling with, with life stuff. Yeah, I understand. He stayed pretty active too, though, and has been putting on really good matches. So I mean, he's he's been active, but he's also put on matches worth seeing. So. Yeah, which that's obviously very important because if someone does 175 matches a year, that's great. But if four of them are watchable, then who really cares? Yep. So, Will Shire, I'm going to let you go first. Is there anyone in AEW that I might have missed that you think, even if you don't think they are the number one MVP, someone that you think needs to be added to the list? I have a joke one, and (laughs) when I say who it is... You're going to uh, understand. Is this person joke, is this person freshly squeezed? No, that's a good one. <laughs> no, this this is even more left field than that. Okay, I'm gonna go with Conrad Thompson. Okay, and only because you think of just 
the amount of connections that he has right. with the AEW guys between doing a podcast with JR, doing a podcast with Shiavani. I, I mean, he's basically the reason Tony's back involved with pro wrestling again. Yep. And then you look at, he was there emceeing that first thing in Jacksonville, yep. the StarCast stuff. Like, I'm not a huge fan of the guy, but he draws an audience. And, you know, that's just free promotional stuff for AEW this year. Yeah. So, is he really the MVP? No, but he was definitely a part of that promotional arm, especially, you know, in that four to five month buildup while you're waiting to see some kind of a product. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, similar to uh, that, Matt, I, I've got a MVP candidate. Okay. Uh, Excalibur, because without him, JR would probably be completely lost. And how else will we know about the butcher, the blade, and the bunny? <laughs> so I'm voting Excalibur. <laughs> uh, if I were to pick an AEW MVP, it'd probably be Seth Rollins because he makes people change the channel. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I know. All joking aside, AEW MVP, Wilshire. It's Chris Jericho without even having a debate on it for me, honestly. Kyle? <laughs> Yeah, I'm right there with him. I, th- I think it's Chris Jericho. I mean, obviously, there, there's going to be a lot more candidates uh, in the following year. Um, but, yeah, as far as getting them, you know, on the right track, as far as, you know, being the guy on TV who could uh, carry segments, who can, you know, put a face to the title and put a face to the company. And then, like I said, just what he's done for the numbers, what he's done for the talent, everything he's done. I, I don't think you could say anybody else but Chris Jericho. 1,000%. For me as well, Chris Jericho. MVP, MVP. Although I might say Montel Vontavious Porter, because that's literally his name. (laughs) And that's it for the first half of our MVP segments. That is part one of our two-part series. You can follow us all on Facebook and Instagram at WrestleLifeRadio and on Twitter at WrestleLifePod. Follow me at WrestleLifeMatt on Instagram and Twitter. And follow Kyle at Kyle.Pauly on Instagram. Thank you so much, guys. Like I mentioned earlier, we will be having part two next Tuesday, so make sure to look for it. And, uh, of course, we will have our regular episode up on Thursday. I hope you all have a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Mm-hmm.